0: So I came in 2019, and that was actually the Women's World Cup year, and it was the first time that the women's Scottish football team got into the World Cup, so it was big. So that, I think that brought a lot of attention to, hey, girls in Scotland actually play soccer.
1: You're listening to Becoming Over a podcast that inspires and equips a new generation of individuals who hope to pursue a career in sports. My name's Kyle Smith. Let's meet today's guest. Siobhan Higgins is a professional soccer player at Heart of Midlothian FC in Scotland. Her journey to the pros hasn't been easy. At times, she's had to act as her own agent and juggle part-time jobs, all while hundreds of miles away from her family and friends. But to her, it's been worth the sacrifices to be able to play a game she's loved her entire life.
0: I was always known to be a hyper kid. I was running everywhere and for me soccer was literally a big field where I could just run around and release all my energy and then I was making friends while doing it and so we were just we were just having so much fun like playing something that we enjoyed um, and just not not really having to worry in the world about anything else. I played just about every sport growing up um, in order it went gymnastics to tennis to basketball which is my second love, uh, to soccer, to swimming, to volleyball and to track. And I actually started basketball before soccer. And I was equally as good as it, if not better, to be honest. But I eventually chose soccer because I just enjoyed it more. Um, I don't really know what it was. Maybe the friends I made at the time um, that were doing it. And at this age, I think I was 14. And I had to decide which sport I was going to become more serious with. And so, in the end, I chose soccer. All of them, yeah, all of them kind of taught you the, the basics of, you know, discipline, being on time, grit, hard work, teamwork. Um, I didn't really do in many individual sports, even though I did run track, I did a lot of relays. So for me, everything was really team oriented. And so I, I found that all of them were integrated within being a team.
1: In high school, Higgins knew she wanted to play at the next level. So she worked to get recruited to play in college. Her next stop was the University of St. Thomas in Houston. Uh,
0: I don't know if many people know this, but with girls soccer, especially, and in Texas, it's different. But um, you don't really get recruited by coaches watching high school games. It's really more to do with clubs. So club is seen as, you know, you pay for it. So it's competitive. Um, It's select teams. You have to try out and get on it. Whereas high school, sometimes it's like, you know, if you're there, you kind of make the team. Um, and so being recruited, you just kind of um, you email coaches from schools that you want to go to and they're not allowed to respond to you because there's a certain age where they can't communicate with um, the players. I think it's until senior year. Or that's what it was at the time. So say I have a tournament coming up with my my club team and I know that going to be there's going to be college coaches there. You'll reach out and you'll send an email and say, hey, I would love to go to this, this school. Um, please come watch me. I'm going to be on field ten at this time and then you just kind of take your chances and hope they show up and so for me with getting recruited it um even if even if i didn't reach out to some teams since it was like a college showcase they would reach out to me and say hey saw you um i'm really interested in you being on our team you know what do you think here's a link look at our school and that's kind of how it worked for me um but I many people don't know this my first year I actually went to Moorhead State University which is a d1 school in Kentucky it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and that was that's where I committed to and I reached out to them and then we kind of had visits um you know and then I committed and then after that after one year I transferred it wasn't really a fit for me and I wanted to be closer to home and I still remembered Coach Nick, which is uh, which was the head coach of St. Thomas, and he was recruiting me before I made my decision to go to Moorhead, and I figured, you know, hey, are you still recruiting, or are you still taking in players? I would love to, you know, get this chance again, and so that's how I got recruited to St. Thomas.
1: Playing soccer professionally wasn't actually always the goal for Higgins. That changed when one day in college, while lifting next to players from the NWSL's Houston Dash, she asked herself, why that couldn't be her. That's when she knew that she wanted to go pro. She threw all of her energy into pursuing that goal.
0: So, um, yeah, it was actually never a dream of mine to play professionally for a long time. Um, this probably is a shock to a lot of people, but the thought came to me um, really in my sophomore year summer in college when I was continuing to do our strength and conditioning program over the summer at um, Athletes it was ATH. In Houston um, and I was with one of my good friends Rachel and at the time we just we just love pushing ourselves we were competing against each other and you know we got up early in the morning like 5 a.m in the summer in the scorching heat to go run outside on the burning turf and in um, and the girls that trained next to us were actually Houston Dash girls right and so one day after training session we just kind of looked at each other and we were watching them and we said, you know, what sets us apart from them? Why can't we do what they do? Um, this is actually crazy. You know, we can't. I feel like we were just having a conversation with each other and we were just saying, like, it's really a matter of who wants it more because we see a lot of people that we've played with um, become a professional and it's like, we played against them. We played with them. We've beat them. Why can't we do it? And so I think that was the moment of realization for both of us where we realized it's really who's going to commit and put their mind to it because- I'm not really anything special in an athlete. I I am talented and can play well, but a lot of it is hard work. And if you're gonna hold yourself accountable for continuing to train, to wake up early and put in the runs and whatnot. So I think that that was a moment for me where I decided, hey, I think I can actually do this. I'm gonna actually try now.
1: She knew it wasn't going to happen overnight and that it would take a huge amount of sacrifice. Her mindset from that point on was, what can I do to get better? Ultimately, her hard work and grit paid off, and she signed a play for Hibernian FC in Scotland.
0: So when I finished my college career, I continued to play. Um, actually, the day after we finished our last game in college, I was back at my, you know, not club, but my semi-professional coach's um, training session. I was back the next day. I was like, okay, I'm ready to train. You know, what's the next thing? When am I going to go pro? Where am I going to go? I'm ready. Let's let's leave the country. Um, and I had to have a sit down, and he and my coach said, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight. It might not even happen this year. It might happen in two years, three years. And I thought, no, you know, I'm I'm I've got this burning desire to keep playing. Like, what can I do to get better? And so for me, the next step was. Um, You know, I'm already fit. We've just gotten done with our season. Work on your touches. uh, Analyze your game and what you need to work on to get better. And then it has to be to reach out to people. So a lot of things girls do after college is they either enter the college draft. If you're already a highly ranked player um, at a good school, there's a good chance of you getting drafted into the NWSL. In America, and but if not, and you're still, you know, you're still a good player and you have potential, you were, you'll, you most likely hire an agent, and you know, you'll hire them for a fee, and then they'll kind of create a profile for yourself, and they will contact teams across the world with whatever contacts they have, and then they'll say, hey, you're interested in this girl? She's a midfielder. Here's some film. Here's something she's accomplished at college. This is what she's gonna do. But I actually did neither of those. Um, I was going to get an agent, and what happened um was my summer semi professional w p s l coach just happened to be over from england and um, he was one of the i think he's coaches a u sixteen girls team for man City and one of the best coaches i've ever had um he knew a guy who he worked with in Manchester who was actually going to be managing a team up in Scotland, and he knew that i was scottish and so um, it's a lot easier to travel in Europe if you have a, you, uh, a UK passport or a EU passport. And so I was actually really blessed to have that because I was born in Scotland. And so he just asked me one day, he said, hey, um, we might have something for you in Scotland. Are you willing to go? And I was like, yes, this is it. I'm leaving, you know, I'm ready to get out of here. Like we've been training every day. Um, where is it or what is it? I didn't even care what it was. I just wanted to go and play. And he, he said, you know, Um, it's an old friend. So I'm just going to put you in contact with him. But after that, after you guys get the email, you're, you're in this on your own. And so that's what I did. I mean, I, I contacted the coach, I talked to him on the phone a couple times, he told me what the setup would be. And surprisingly, I I didn't actually choose to go to this team. Uh, My dad was doing a bit more research, um, talking to some people back home and looking at the leagues in Scotland because we didn't really know anything about it. And we don't really keep up up with Scottish football. We we keep up with um, English football. And so my dad contacted some people back home in Scotland and we got some insight that there was a team who – a coach knew a friend of a friend, and he said, you know, we're actually in the division above this team that's interested in you. Why don't you just come play for us instead? You know, we're going to be part of the Champions League. Um, I've seen film, and if this guy's interested in you, then I'm definitely interested in you. So come to this team. We're better. And and I, at the time, I felt really bad, but I kind of, you know, thought I'm going to do what's better for me. And if, you know, if I'm going to make the commitment to go overseas, I might as well choose the better team on paper right now. And so that's what I did. I I committed to Hibernian FC and they're in the same city as the other team, which was Hearts FC. And that's how I got, that's how I got over without an agent and without being drafted.
1: So the women's soccer culture in Scotland was different relative to the women's game in the U.S. And despite a common language, it was a bit of a culture shock for Higgins living abroad.
0: I'm going to be very honest here because I believe in being completely honest. So that I give um, honest views back, especially about this topic. But I went to Scotland, where I would say football, and I'm going to refer to it as that now, out of respect for the country. <laughs> that um, it is still developing, and as it like as it is in many places. But what I mean to say is that um, I believe that every other country is a little bit behind America, just because we're so in, so advanced with our equipment and coaching and, you know, we've won a couple of World Cups, you know, so I I feel as though some countries are behind. And so here I noticed that women's football wasn't really respected as much by the public. Um, There are a handful of fans who, they're very dedicated and supportive, um, but there's a lot of people who don't even rate women's football enough to know that their men's club actually has a women's club. You know, if you're a lifelong fan of Liverpool and You don't know that they have a women's team. That's kind of, that's kind of shocking to me. And so that's what I found shocking in Scotland that people would say, "Oh, I'm a big Hibs fan, but they they have a women's team." I had no idea, and it's just kind of because people don't know, people don't watch it, they don't hear about it. It's just not really known there. And so that was a bit shocking for me. And um, my first season was mid July to November of 2019, and it was tough for me to adjust because although the English or sorry, the language is English. Um in Scotland there's a thick accent which is very difficult to understand. So I think the first month kind of took a lot of adjusting to the accent and learning what the heck is my coach telling me to do and I I mean I find myself soccer smart but when I'm sitting there and I don't actually understand the directions because of the accent and then all the girls are talking with different accents too. It was that was my biggest struggle. Actually my first day at training, my coach told me, he's like, okay, Schwan, you're gonna be the floater. And I was like, the what? And he goes, the floater. But he okay he says floater. Okay. So that is translates to floater. And then in my head I'm thinking, what is a floater? And then everyone's looking at me. And they're like, you're on both teams, offense and defense. I'm like, oh I'm a neutral. And then they're like, what's a neutral? I'm like, oh my God, I'm looking around. And nobody's understanding me. It's like, I'm a crazy person, first day of training. And I'm like, how long is this season? <laughs> it was almost to the point where, I mean, I consider myself an extrovert. I literally became an introvert because I was shy. I didn't want to talk. I was more of, I was sitting there trying to listen so I could even join into conversation. But that whole time I was listening and translating in my head, the conversation had moved on. <laughs> It was honestly like a whole new language at the beginning. So I came in 2019, and that was actually the Women's World Cup year. And it was the first time that the women's Scottish football team got into the World Cup. So it was big. So that I think that brought a lot of attention to, hey, girls in Scotland actually play soccer. Um, and that's something I found very interesting because that's what the girls were saying on my team they were saying you know things are growing now you're coming at a good time because there's more teams being developed um people are getting money into the club uh, people are watching us now whereas before I think that in general people just didn't know and maybe it does have to do with the lack of marketing or really it all come it all kind of comes down to funding because with funding then you can get well, I don't know posters you can get um the i don't even know like merchandise and whatnot but it's just it's just having support you need people to watch in order for it to be known and then but people got to buy into it so they've got to enjoy watching it and whatnot but if they don't even know it exists then how can they help so in scotland it's definitely just growing but i think that they just lack um actual knowledge of the the games out there for women there are there are a lot of teams there's two divisions in scotland um, one, I mean, and there's a big gap between the two. Is another thing I'll mention. And then after that, there's obviously like recreational soccer, but um, they do have a lot of sponsorships. So with my team and girls in my league and the league below, you can actually get personally sponsored by someone. Someone can say, "I like the way number seven plays. I want to sponsor them." And and if they like the club, then you know they'll get. Um, maybe their company logo on our game sheets, they'll get it on the website. The girls will put it in their Instagram bios and say, um, I don't know, grassroots soccer sponsors me. And then you kind of promote them. And that way, um, whoever wants to sponsor you will donate like 300 pounds for the season. And that kind of provides your football kit. And then maybe you get a little bit of pocket money. And so that's kind of how sponsorships work over there. Or you can sign up directly through the club as well and you kind of get like a package deal of something I just explained similar to the getting your name in a game day program and whatnot and so they have that going on or you can just reach out to someone and say hey do you need new cleats and over there they're called boots so they'll say I'll be your boot sponsor so anytime you need new boots just let me know and I'll buy you some new ones all I want you to do is tag me in your Instagram posts and say I did this for you and that's kind of yeah that's how sponsorship work over there
1: So what does life look like off the pitch for a professional athlete? Sometimes it does involve balancing soccer with the side hustle or in the case of Higgins, starting her own business.
0: Well, I think life off the pitch is going to be really different for everyone. But for me, uh, my life in the past year seems like a never-ending cycle of trying to find a job. Um, it's, it's hard to commit to something in a specific city if I know at some point I might have to leave because of soccer, like go to a different team or be in a different place or just travel because of a game. Um, so my free time really just consists of catching up with people, um, trying to find a job, doing small things here and there, training people on the side, um, getting new hobbies. You know, reading, writing, traveling across the country to see my long distance boyfriend, and then keeping in shape as much as I can. Since I'm always, I feel like I'm always on the job hunt. I figured, you know, why not try to think of something I can do um, from home or something that I enjoy, especially. And so for me, um, i always, I'm always told that I'm pretty creative. I have good ideas. Um, and I have kind of like a good vision for aesthetics. And so for me, something that I've recently started is um, a small business called Ads by Chefs. I kind of already branded myself. My nickname is Chefs to a lot of my friends. And um, so why not advertise my ads? And. <laughs> um, so cheesy, <laughs> but what I meant to say is that um, I recently started doing uh, digital graphics um, basically on a website that allows me to add pictures, create any type of layout for to make a logo, to make an invite, to make a birthday card, to make an advertisement, just publicize that someone's going to an event or whatnot, but use my creative mind to kind of design it. And so that's something that I enjoy doing. Um, People always hit me up sometimes and say, hey, can you make this birthday announcement for me or this, my mom's having a wedding shower? Do you think you can make this? And I figured, why not make it into a little business? Get something out of it. I mean, it is pretty time-consuming. And although I love doing this for my friends anyway, I figured if I'm actually looking for a job and it's something that I could make into a bigger thing, why not go for it?
1: Higgins has been open about the topic of mental health in the past. Sharing a post last year on her Instagram on Mental Health Awareness Day. Every athlete is going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. But she stresses, it's how you respond to those mistakes that matters most at the end of the day.
0: I think that um, in general, sports are definitely mentally challenging for everyone. And from a very young age, it was prominent that I was very competitive. Uh, I hate to lose, and I will always do whatever it takes not to lose. Um, I hold myself to a high standard, and when I feel as though I don't perform as well, um, I'm definitely really hard on myself. And I would, I would even go to say that I'm my own worst enemy. I really always have been. I probably always will be. Um, and I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. It just shows that you really do have control over your own mind and that you can talk yourself into things and talk yourself out of them. Um, so I learned to, I have to train myself to be more positive. But as far as personal experience, I think to be more specific, one of my biggest challenges mentally during soccer um, was my last year of college. Uh, I was on a team with people who I felt didn't really have the same passion as I did. Um, I mean, there were, Honestly, only a handful of people who I felt were truly dedicated and that immediately affected my game negatively because um, in addition, I was one of our team captains. So I was given a responsibility and I was learning to do uh, to deal with that at the same time as being a bit frustrated with my teammates. So I was honored to be one of our captains. But at the same time, I struggled with gaining respect from some of my teammates, partially due to my own personality and the way I handled things. It came to the point where I saw games where I would just, I would lose the ball and not even work back to get it. Like I'd, I'd flail in my arms and um, I would just kind of stop. And, you know, I was that person and I have never been someone known to do this, but I felt like I tried and I would try And that I wasn't getting the support from my teammates that I needed. So I kind of men- mentally checked out and this behavior of mine was so noticeable that my parents, friends and coaches were asking me after games, you know, what's up, what's going on? You're not really playing like you used to. You don't you don't seem like yourself and and I was you know I was just getting so tired of hearing that over and over again. It kind of made things worse for me. I think that it elevated my stress and my frustration, and it ultimately it really weighed a big toll on me. And I truly experienced crumbling under pressure. Um, now how I overcame that, uh, actually, I actually took a few days off. It was I was in a place mid season um, where I wasn't really happy with myself and decisions I was making. I felt overwhelmed and more sensitive than usual and small comments really got to me and I was just I was sad and I I truly just kind of felt pathetic Um, and I ended up texting my coach on a Sunday and I said or the weekend before a big away trip and I told him look Um, I'm struggling I need some time to relax and go home I need to regroup and honestly just cry things out and reevaluate my life and I promise I'll come back to school on Tuesday but I need to miss Monday and when I come back on Tuesday I'll be checked in 100% and he was very understanding and he said yeah you know what I've been worried about you it's a big week coming up and I think you need a mental break too and I understand Um, we really need you this weekend so get better soon and we'll see you Tuesday. And so went home. I got the support I needed, the time I needed to clear my head. And I decided or I came out with the outcome that I need to be my own supporter, my own encourager, like I mentioned earlier, Um, that I was really the one bringing myself down most of the time. And now I need to be the one to build myself up. Like I can't control what other people are going to do. I can only control what I can do. And so if other people were doing things that really bothered me. I can't do anything about it. And I can only focus on myself and how I react to the situation. So I went back Tuesday, trained that weekend. I played two of the best games of my life. Um, I won conference and to player of the week. I scored a goal, got three assists, and I was back to feeling like myself. And it kind of just took a little reevaluation and to take a breather. So that was that was one of my biggest struggles.
1: So what are the key characteristics or qualities that enable an athlete to be successful? For Higgins, there's no replacement for intrinsic motivation and a personal desire to be the best version of yourself.
0: I would say commitment and discipline are the two biggest ones um, because you can't teach someone to have passion or the love of the game. Um, If you already have those two, you're kind of already on the right track. It's more of am I going to wake up at five in the morning to go for my run? Am I going to eat healthy? Am I going to not go out and party during college when my friends are, but I have a game in two days, so I shouldn't. Um, It's definitely discipline and just making sure that you're following your path and what your path requires because um, you got to stick to the plan is what it is. You got to make sacrifices and the biggest thing is discipline. Sometimes there isn't going to be one person that you can turn to with this, um, with your journey, um, to build you up. Uh, I've had, you know, I've had best friends, boyfriends, parents help me along the way during my struggles, but, uh, in the end you can really only rely on yourself a hundred percent of the time. Um, it's kind of like, um, I had a, I had a moment one time in college where I was just really struggling to build myself up and I was looking around for, you know, a teammate, a friend, someone to kind of push me and say, you know, come on, run, keep going. You can do this. And as as much as those people I love are there for me at certain times they might not be able to be or in a way that i needed them to be so i had a moment where i realized look i'm i need to be the one to push myself and yes you can have people that are going to help you but it's really you versus you and you got to talk yourself out of bad thoughts you got to talk yourself into new ones and there just comes a time where um if you pursue the dream to play professionally you're going to be geographically apart from the people you love and you need to be mentally strong for yourself so you kind of need to start getting yourself ready for that so I literally talk to myself not out loud because then you'll sound crazy but in my head it really goes something like this so if I'm playing on the field I make a bad pass it gets intercepted and this is maybe the third time I've done it it's I go in my head and I say oh gosh okay you got this, you're gonna get this, get the ball back, it's fine, it happens to everyone, just keep working hard. But for that split, that happens in a split second. Like you make that pass, and in the past, I would have maybe stood there and thought, oh my gosh, not again, I'm gonna stay in there. This person's gonna dribble past me, and then they're gonna, I'm gonna be way behind because I stood there sulking and feeling sorry for myself. You just can't, you gotta snap out of that attitude because once you get into it, it's just a bad downward spiral and it's noticeable.
1: While Higgins is home now in the States, her goal is to return to Scotland when the season resumes and make the most of the opportunity to play soccer and grow the women's game abroad.
0: Um, my team we in Scotland that I'm on right now, Hearts Football Club, we actually just got promoted to the first division. So my goal is still the same. It's still to prove to everyone that we deserve to be in that division because we are the underdogs. Like, you know, people have seen us play, but they, they don't really rate us. They think, oh, we've come from the second division. We should beat them. Um, and that's that's a challenge in itself, show people that we deserve to be there. And as a forward, show myself that I can score and that I can provide for my team and that we can work together and we can win. So I'm not – I mean, I'm not ready to give that up yet. And as far as the season goes, I'm just kind of waiting it out until we can begin again um, and in the future – I I really don't like to plan that far ahead. Like if someone asks me what I'm doing in five months, I probably do not know. So I would just like to say, i in a, in a year's time, maybe two years time, I'm fulfilling that feeling of being completed with soccer. You know, I think that I think that deep in my heart, I know that my time is coming a bit soon, just because. I'm not going to make a living playing soccer, and there's only so much time I can do this for, but just making the best of it, and instead of living to the fullest, kind of playing to the fullest, and so that's what I hope to accomplish with the years to come. If anyone knows listening to this, and they want some advice, or they want to know a bit more in detail, something more personal, I'm I'm really an open book. I don't mind pouring my heart out to someone or telling someone how it is, because if I'm going to go, if I'm going to choose the same path that I did, I would think I would want to know exactly what's going to happen or at least what happened to somebody else so that you have different perspectives. So if anyone wants to reach out and they're just still curious about my experience, um, yeah, feel free.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode of becoming over being to learn more about Siobhan. You can follow her on Twitter at Siobhan seven or on Instagram. Well, who can say how to follow her because her handle does change every month but this month it's quarantine underscore chevs c-h-e-v-s or check out her blog at shavonhiggins.squarespace.com for more content from her perspective if you want to learn more about the show or listen to additional episodes check out becomingoverbeing.com until next time i'm kyle smith